0: Hello and welcome to The Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as insight and analysis into everything you're talking about in football. i mean McGarry and of course with me is the transfer meister guru, everything you want to say that is the best about him and that is Duncan Castles. Beware cheap imitations. Today we're going to bring you lots of good news uh, and lots of fresh news, of course, before anyone else on Manchester City, Manchester United, Leeds United, Wolves, Chelsea, Arsenal. Let's get going, Duncan. Uh... First up on the agenda is uh, a story which you have consistently brought with regards to the future of Adama Traore at Wolverhampton Wanderers, a player who the club valued at one point in excess of £100 million. Probably not quite that in the current environment, Duncan, but an interesting bit uh, by a club who you probably see are on a par with Wolves with regards to their Premier League status,
1: yeah, and I think that is the conclusion that Adama Traoré uh, came to when he was informed of this bid. Um, the offer I'm told that Wolves have uh, had proposed to them by another Premier League club comes from Leeds United. Um, they were prepared to pay an initial thirty million pounds for Adama, who is a player that's well known to Leeds Director of Football, Victor Orta, who, who signed him from Aston Villa when he was uh, in charge at Middlesbrough a few years back. Um, my guidance is that Adama is not interested in moving there and, and sees himself at, uh, rather than making a sideways move within the Premier League, he wants to move up to a club with uh, Champions League status or at least um, very realistic chances of reaching the Champions League soon. Uh, he's under contract till 2023. As we've been stating, I think, for months now on the on the Transfer Window podcast, he has been effectively placed on the market by Wolves, um, one of the players that they feel they can raise significant cash from in this window uh, in order to reinvest in the team. Um, and again, my guidance on this was that well, Wolves were interested in this offer so I think we're getting a sense of how much they'd be prepared to, to sell the player for. Um, they're in a difficult position in that they really need to do a deal in this window to maximise m- income on the player. Um, they've had talks about extending his contract, which haven't really gone very far. The offers they made to Adama were, were not um, anywhere close to what he was looking for um, as a realistic offer to stay at Wolves. It's out of contract in 2023 there. So um, I think they will be pushing still to to try and get a deal elsewhere. Um, I think you would probably pay a little bit of attention to what Tottenham do in that area of the field because Nuno Espirito Santo was impressed and enjoyed working with him. And I don't think he would be against working with Adama again if the opportunity was to arise, and obviously Tottenham as we keep talking about in this podcast have the potential to take a lot of income in this transfer window um they are trying to do quite a radical change of their squad they've been making moves like shifting Toby Alderweireld out um to Qatar football to Aldehael um in a deal where the transfer fee was limited my guidance is um from the Qatar end that they paid a a very low fee. Tottenham are briefing that it was 5 million euros. Uh, Alderweireld got a contract extension there, an extra year in his contract and an increase in his wages, benefiting from the tax-free salary in Qatar. And Tottenham managed to get one of their higher paid players off their wage book to make room for the defensive reshuffle.
0: And of course, Eric Lamella has also left Duncan's, so there is a vacancy, if you like, for Adama.
1: Yes, um, Eric Lamella has been moved to Sevilla um, in that that part exchange deal for Brian Heal. um, 25 million euros going to Sevilla. Again, we mentioned this on on the last podcast, there's a good deal of scepticism about whether Heal is suited to Premier League football and ready for Premier League football. Very talented player on the ball, kind of old-fashioned winger, uh, a dribbler. Um, prefers to play off the left tottenham also open to offers for Lucas Mora so so there would be a vacancy on on the, the right side of their attack if they can get a deal done. We told you that they have an interest in in Jesus Corona at FC Porto one option for that that right, right wing position um but I think we wait and see uh, where where tottenham go with this. Um, there's certainly a, a, a deal of scepticism in the general market about the deals they've done so far. Good deal of scepticism about Christian Romero as well, whether he is worth the, the €50 million Euro asking price Atlanta are placing on him and um, whether Fabio Paratici has got it right in going back for a player he signed at Juventus and sold at Juventus um, subsequently for a much larger fee than he let him leave the club for.
0: Indeed, and uh, the potential income you referred to, Duncan, um, in a very subtle way, of course, uh, could well be uh, incoming from the sale of Harry Kane to Manchester City. Lots of talk about a Jack Grealish in the last 24 hours and a move to the Etihad uh, for the England uh, midfielder. However, uh, it is our understanding here at the transfer window that city are being very, very astute and tactical with regards to the way they are playing this particular uh, window in terms of who they target and how much they're willing to pay. Now remember, uh, just this week on the first podcast, we explained in detail um, the charges which have been made against Manchester City with regarding Premier League financial fair play and a conversation. Uh, that we had with someone deeply embedded in Premier League Towers uh, in between that podcast and this one led us to um, a theory which suggests that City are trying to almost woo their Premier League partners by changing transfer policy because in the last uh, few seasons they have tended, of course, to go abroad and pay big money for foreign players coming into the Premier League to furnish their squad. To look at two players in Grealish and Kane, Kane, of course, the England captain, Grealish, uh, the Aston Villa captain, they're looking at per- perhaps and potentially investing more than £200 million, not even euros, £200 million, it back into the English game and back into two rival Premier League clubs. Would that change other clubs' minds in terms of their determination to see City pay the punishment and indeed be under the investigation which comes to effectively a prosecution against them and therefore there would be consequences of that? Um, Are they being clever uh, in terms of Duncan, their targeting of... No one's debating the talent and the worth of Grealish or Kane. But it is a kind of turnaround in terms of their general transfer policy. And of course, you also have information on what would be an interesting exit from uh, Manchester City this summer, should it happen as well.
1: Yeah, before we talk about that exit, let's talk about doing Kane or trying to do Kane and Grealish in the one window. It is an extraordinary bit of business, um, unparalleled. Um, the numbers you're talking about are 100 million um, for each player, and, and that I've uh, been guided as what Manchester City are trying to limit the fees to, uh, and making it clear they they will go to 100 million for each of the players. Obviously, Aston Villa will want more if they are forced to sell. Aston Villa believe that they can, they have the financial wherewithal to give Grealish a new contract. The question is whether Grealish will commit to that new contract. I think in his case a lot of it is about the opportunity to play at the top level in European football, opportunity to win trophies, but also negotiating the exit in a way that um, bridges aren't completely torn down with a Aston Villa support who either worship him to a great extent.
0: Would you be right to say Duncan that Aston Villa fans fall over in their worship for Jack Grealish? <laughs>
1: You might say that Ian <laughs> I, I, I
0: and I do and I do <laughs> Um
1: the, the theory that they're they're trying to push money to the Premier League rivals is is a fascinating one certainly if you're going to do that you do it now post covid when clubs are suffering uh, in their accounts and and Daniel Levy has been very public about the degree of suffering that that Tottenham have uh, endured because of COVID, probably the worst in European football given their investment in the stadium. Um, You could run the argument another way and say if City are worried that the punishment from this Premier League investigation that we now know has been going on um, for two years and which City have paid a huge amount of money to lawyers to try and prevent the rules of the Premier League being put into place to prevent an independent tribunal from judging uh, whether they broke Premier League rules, um, questioning what, whether that should be allowed to be set up, the, uh, accusing it of being of apparent bias and, and structure, then going to the commercial court, losing in the commercial court then going to the um, Court of Appeal uh, to, to try and get a public statement Um, and uh, revelation of part of the judgment of the commercial court um, hidden from public view. Um, They've gone to extraordinary lengths on this. If they are concerned that this time their lawyers might not be able to win in an arbitration case as they were at CAS after they had lost um, UEFA's investigation and, and been kicked out of the Champions League for two years. And if they think a transfer ban is coming, then why not get your recruitment done for two of the top players in the Premier League this summer? Because it's extremely unlikely that that transfer window ban will come into place if the Premier League tribunal decides to go down that route, when everything is prosecuted before um, the end of this window. So it it also makes sense from a, a kind of do your business and, and restructure the team. They know they need, they need to do quite significant changes and they want to kind of usher in a, a new era. Um, do it now and, and have, have the hard work done before any possibility of, of the Premier League stopping them from recruiting and stopping them from spending in future years.
0: So I, I, I'm going to just retrace my steps here, Duncan. I'm going to be entirely blunt now. Um, I'm not accusing Manchester City of anything uh, untoward, but it has to be said that if you are an Aston Villa who are trying to re-establish themselves in the Premier League and you are being courted by the richest club in the division with regards to your captain and uh, buying him at uh, a rate which will see effectively 100% profit because he came through the Villa Academy, uh, likewise for Harry Kane. Um, if you're a club like Villa, or even if you're a club like Tottenham, who are financially not in the best of ways right now because of the stadium build and the borrowing that they have um, committed to, et cetera, et cetera. If you look across the spectrum of the Premier League clubs and you see what investment is being made by Manchester City and how that has changed from their modus operandi with regards to buying from abroad. It's the old lottery finger, isn't it? It could be you next time. And of course, to a lesser degree, we've already seen that with Arsenal's purchase of Ben White from Brighton. So it's this kind of you know, distribution of, uh, of wealth, um, which we have not experienced in the Premier League with regards to buying and selling of players, we have obviously in terms of broadcast revenue, could well be something which turns people's heads with regards to, well, do we really want to punish Manchester City if they're going to be much more um, amenable and uh, collegiate, their membership of English football and the Premier League?
1: Well, this has been the argument pushed by Manchester City, by Abu Dhabi, that um, nation state spending they won't ever describe it that way but that's effectively what it is is good for football that the ffp regime has uh, damaged football because it doesn't allow external capital to come into the game and and should an individual um sheikh Mansour, is the titular owner of manchester city decide he wants to buy a football club and put over two billion pounds into making it the best club in England, which they've demonstrated themselves to be, and try and make it the best club in Europe, um, let him go ahead with it. It's, it's good for the game because the money will filter down to the other clubs. That's, that's pretty much the argument. Contrast it with financial fair play, which has um, clearly uh, caused a problem in that it benefits the clubs who have um, wealth coming in, that the established uh, stronger clubs who have larger revenues uh, and it's allowed them to coalesce more of the, of the superior talent into their squads and made it um, less likely than before for a, a weaker side to come in. Now, there are obviously problems with financial fair play, um, but I think there are also obvious problems with the argument that you just let anyone come in and spend as much money as they like particularly when you have the sort of Qatar Abu Dhabi situation of nation states but certainly if that's the argument you're trying to run in Manchester City do brief that it is good for the game that they put lots of money into it then this is a uh, a concrete example of it and as you say the money we are not now buying the best players from Europe and bringing them to the Premier League we are buying the best players in England and keeping that money within the Premier League. Um, the, you can see why people within the Premier League structure are looking at what's happening this summer and, and coming to that uh, theory about what's motivating uh, the, the particular pursuit of these two players.
0: Duncan, I'm going to ask you briefly because we've got a lot to get through on the pod, um, but two things uh, one I'm going to revert to, again, the information you have regarding a potential exit in Manchester City, but also, and I find this really, really intriguing, because the two most, or maybe three most important players that City have actually lost in the last season, two seasons, are David Silva, uh, Sergio Aguero, and Lee Rosani. Now, Grealish, at the moment, plays off the left coming into the right, or plays as the number 10. But your information is that actually he may play further back in a City team.
1: Yes, I think you will play um, at, in one of the midfield positions, in one of the number eight positions, and coming off the wing. Um, I, I think we, we know how fluid City are, and we know that a lot of what they do in attack is, is about getting... Carrying the ball into the penalty area from various positions in the field, making space for players to carry the ball into the area, and then cutting it back for someone to score. That's the, the kind of typical Manchester City goal. Is that they they get work the ball into the penalty area, and then pass it for an easy finish. For it can be a forward, but hasn't been a forward so often in the last season with Manchester City. But if you look at the way Jack Grealish plays, he is very good at getting past opponents, he is very good at carrying the ball into the penalty box because opponents are reluctant to engage in contact with him, hence your... Uh,
0: and, and, well, he's also very good at examining the grass, isn't he? I mean, you could give the groundsman a, a real proper kind of summation of you know, what actually is going on down there.
1: <laughs> he, he creates by taking the ball into the area and whether you start him from a midfield position or a wide position, Um, I I understand Grealish's preference is to play inside so that's probably another attraction to him. I think you'll see him assuming this deal goes through um, playing in either position in the the coming season. player who you may not see playing for Manchester next season certainly it's his wish that he not be playing for them next season is Americ Laporte Um, we told you previously that uh, City were looking for a new centre-back because Laporte um, was unhappy with his status at the club, essentially being relegated to third-choice centre-back by uh, Ruben and John Stones last season. Um, Only 14 starts in the Premier League and three starts in the Champions League. Uh, Barcelona have been interested in taking him. Obviously, there's a massive problem for Barcelona to structure a deal for a player who is on contract at City until 2025, he is very highly paid, 7 million euros net. He was very expensive when City signed him, 65 million euros, plus they paid 5 million euros of solidarity. Um, but
0: Laporte,
1: I'm told, is pushing Manchester City to allow him and to facilitate his exit. And my guidance is he's making it difficult for City in the sense that if they felt they could retain him as third-choice centre-back, use him to pressure Stones and Gias, be ready whether one of them to get injured or where one of their form to regress. Stones, I think, being the more likely candidate there. Um, And Laporte was to behave himself and focus on getting back in the team. They'd probably go along that route, but um, the sense I'm getting is that Laporte is kicking up enough of a fuss that City are being pressured to, to find a solution to this. Um, how exactly they do that, I don't know, because uh, Laporte's preference would be to move to Spain, who he uh, decided to play for in the European Championships after taking up Spanish nationality, something in 2018 that he said was out of the question. Um, I think if they can structure a good deal, it would be a great move for City because I, I think he's been a mistake in the transfer market someone that Pep Guardiola seemed to think he could improve as a player um but if you watch the way Laporte plays now and compare it to where he, how he plays when he arrived at City, how he played in Spain, he's still making the same basic tactical errors, positioning errors um major errors in games that have cost the club uh, I think they can do better than him but it's a very difficult market to um, to come out of that with a, with a decent financial deal.
0: We love the fact that our audience here in the Transfer Window podcast is very savvy. We hope that um, that's partly to do with uh, the fact that you're listening and uh, we can give you information. Devil's in the detail with transfers, Duncan, as we both know for sure from many years in the business. Uh, so I'm just going to add this in before we move away from Manchester City, and that is that Jack Grealish was given leave upon extended leave after Euro 2020 uh, with England. Uh, he's currently in Dubrovnik on holiday with his partner. Uh, it's our information that Dean Smith is keen to keep him away from the circus-like media uh, atmosphere of this Manchester City potential move because he doesn't want to distract the rest of his players by having them included in the debate, if you like, about where Grealish will play next season. You'd prefer that this got sorted out um if possible before Grealish even came back to Aston Villa pre season. Now that's in itself is unlikely because of the expense and complexity of the deal. But uh, as I said, devils in detail people, you know it, we know it, and there's a little bit extra bit of information uh which suggests at least that Villa and Grelish are preparing for a move. We spoke uh, extensively about Jules Kunde uh, from Sevilla and a move to Chelsea in the um, first podcast of the week. Since then, uh, a potential move for Kurt to West Ham has been mooted uh, and indeed a fee has also uh, been mooted, although not yet agreed. However, it's your information. I understand that perhaps Zuma can yet become part of the Kunde deal, uh, going to Stamford Bridge.
1: Yeah, as we said on, on Tuesday, um, the personal terms have been agreed with Kunde and Chelsea. He is happy to move to Chelsea. Um, again, we've been saying for a while that his preference would be Real Madrid, but Real Madrid have not entered the market with a with a bid for the player. Sevilla want to sell but only at the right level. Um, A straight cash deal is going to be difficult uh, is the guidance I have and Chelsea have been offering players um, in addition to cash to Sevilla and one of the players they've offered is Kurt Zuma. Um, Usually when you do these part exchange deals it makes them more complicated because one you have to get the player on board, and that is gonna, I think, gonna be a question here because the noise is coming from around Kurtsuma is that he would prefer to stay in England, and in London. And uh, at present, brief from his camp is that West Ham is more interesting to him than Sevilla. But on the club side, the guidance I have is that it actually suits Sevilla to get a defender in, uh, in part exchange, for Kunde, as opposed to cash. And why is that the case? It's because of the La Liga um, spending limitations, which are hitting every club uh, in Spain at present, hitting them in a very, very aggressive way. I was talking to um, a representative yesterday who was saying that that the feeling in Spain is that La Liga are being too conservative in limiting the budgets of their clubs and basically telling the clubs you have to make room um, and get your, your uh, wage bill down before you can sign any players. And an example I was given was of a, a club, Alaves, who were actually just trying to re-sign a player that they had under contract last year. Um, the player had, had looked for other options. He didn't have a good option coming up. So um, after becoming a free agent, Alaves offered him a new deal, two-year deal. Um, with an option of a third year at €1.2 million Euros a year gross. So basically a total commitment on Alaves's part of €2.4 million. Euros. La Liga will not allow that deal to happen. Um, they say you can sign them, but you can't register them until you've got your budget, your budgeted spending for next season down. That's how strict La Liga are being, and that's, that's hitting all the clubs there. So in Sevilla's case, they are due a large percentage of whatever transfer fee they receive for Kunde to Bordeaux. Uh, I understand 30% of the, the transfer fee will go to Bordeaux. Um,
0: whoever negotiated that should be sacked, by the way. <laughs> oh, seriously, 30%? That's outrageous.
1: Depends what other offers Bordeaux had at the time. And um, they, they will, I think Sevilla will win on the deal and that they got a very good player. Um, for the time they had him at the club and, and they, they will profit overall from it. But it, it, it ties their hands in terms of what they can accept as an offer. Also, if they accept straight cash, then they will not get all of that money to spend on a replacement. Therefore, if Chelsea can provide them with the right player and Kurtzuma is one I'm told that Sevilla are interested in taking, who will fit straight into the team and, and and be a replacement in the squad without cash um, changing hands? Then that helps Sevilla in terms of ma- making uh, and uh, and accessing La Liga spend limits. So in this case, I'm told Chelsea have an advantage if they can get a player like Zuma or one of their other defenders that Sevilla might be interested in to move there um, because. In this particular case, a cash plus player exchange deal is more attractive to Sevilla than a straight cash
0: offer. Kurt Zuma, um, we know you listen occasionally and often regularly to the Transfer Window podcast. And having been in East London many times, and also in Sevilla many times, I know where I would choose. Think about it carefully before making a decision. Duncan, we're going to move to Manchester United because uh, as uh, we have spoken about already this week, Paul Pogba, uh, the fact that he's out of contract in one year's time, uh, the very much unlikely uh, situation where he signs an extension to that contract and therefore would be leaving for free uh, next summer's window. uh, The fact that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, did not blink about uh, him being Included in a possible uh, exchange, part exchange deal for Rafael Varan with Real Madrid. But Madrid, of course, uh, did not um, take up that invitation. Now, next season is going to be the, as you described it, time to deliver season for Ole Gunnar um, You understand that the actual formation may change. In, in a way, which means that even if Pogba is disposed of to Paris Saint-Germain, which now looks the most likely destination, and thank you to all our friends in uh, the media who followed up on our story from Tuesday's podcast, then perhaps Pogba is not irreplaceable in the sense that he doesn't need to be replaced. I don't think that's
1: Solskjaer's thinking. Um, <sighs> Solskjaer will try and get as many good players in as possible. And if, if Pogba goes, I will push to have that money spent on a new central midfielder. And and a new central midfielder has been on the recruitment list, uh, the provisional recruitment list for a long time at United. What the noises coming out from Solskjaer's camp are is that he might change formation from that um, almost default um, back six, as he calls it, um, of four defenders. and. Uh, and two holding midfielders in front of them uh, almost always Fred and Scott McTominay to a 4-1-2-3 formation so just one holding midfielder and, and you can see the logic in that in that he has been given um, in his own words one of the best centre backs in the world uh, in Raphael Varane to partner um, Harry Maguire so the defence should be stronger. This season, and therefore, should not need the degree of shielding that it's required uh, in the past season. And that would allow him to push another player uh, further forward into the midfield. Um, Interesting to look at what Solskjaer said about the transfers. Um, You can't ask for more backing than to get these two in as early as we can. Shows the club's ambition. One of the most exciting talents in the world and one of the best centre backs in the world. We have scrambled to get players in before this year. We are in a good position, and he, you know, he's putting on record there that you can't ask more. Also, underlining what we pointed out that uh, these deals have been done early. They're getting the players in um, to train quickly, albeit Varane is probably going to be um, delayed slightly by quarantine rules. But as quick as just about as quick as it's possible to do, so that that's a, an advantage to him in the in the coming season. Um, I think there are are people questioning whether they're buying Varane at the wrong time in terms of age, in terms of uh, injury issues he's he's had in Madrid, Um, whether they're repeating a mistake that they've made with other players in the past, uh, buying big names at the wrong point in their career. Um, I think there are legitimate concerns there, but I also think that Varane and Maguire are a good marriage uh, as, as uh, a, a scout I speak to t- likes to describe uh, defensive partnerships. Um, he pointed points out that Varane plays best when he has a player who's very good in the duels, very physical, um, capable of winning tackles, capable of playing uh, head-to-head with one of the forwards and Varane uses his pace and his, his game-reading abilities to cover him behind. So I think the compatibility there looks very good and it certainly should significantly strengthen the defence. If they do the deal for Pogba and they certainly get an offer from PSG that's acceptable and Pogba accepts to go to PSG rather than waiting and hoping that he can get to Real Madrid in a year's time, Um, or trying to go back to Juventus, then there will be money to spend and some salary opened up. There are a few options available to them in midfield. Um, They have had discussions with Leon Goretzka, Bayern Munich, who's got just a year left in his contract there, um, looking for a very expensive salary uh, and it looks like he would... Prefer to stay with Bayern Munich and and wants to use that interest from Manchester United to leverage a better deal there. They have the possibility of buying Sal Niguez from Atletico. Atletico, like all the other Spanish clubs, have to raise money. Sal Niguez has very directly been placed on the transfer market. He's been offered to Manchester City in exchange for Bernardo Silva. He has become more peripheral to team selections for Diego Simeone. He's on a big salary. Um, if United want to do that deal, they have a very good chance of doing it for a, a much lower price than he would have cost in, in previous summers. So the, the figure being mooted is 50 million euros for Niguez. Eduardo Camavinga is a player they've looked at. We've talked about how his representatives paid a huge sum of money to, um, to represent him. And would prefer a deal to be done this summer because there will be commission available on a transfer fee rather than uh, allowing him to leave uh, for nothing in a year's time. Um, there's a question over whether Kamavinga is ready for the Premier League and whether he is as good as his billing uh, his agents describe him as the best young player in world football. Not many people are paid to make those judgments. Agree. Um, and then there are a couple of players in the in the Premier League um, who would be on a list for Manchester United um, and who could be available this summer in Ruben Neves, um, other main player that Wolves are trying to sell who Arsenal have have an interest in taking for their midfield and Declan Rice who West Ham United don't want to sell um, but is reaching a stage of his career where um, you will see him moving to another, a bigger Premier League club uh, before too long and United would have to take a decision on whether that is a player they want to keep away from the rivals or not
0: Elsewhere Arsenal have already put down a marker with regards to their ambition in this market with the completion of Ben White's £50 million transfer from Brighton uh, something which of course uh, Mikel Arteta has been insistent upon with regards to uh, both strengthening his defensive Uh, capabilities as well as playing out from the back Um, however their ambition does not appear to stop with that uh, very expensive signing Uh, and also Duncan has information regarding um, the contract of White uh, having obviously reported the structure of the fee in the earlier podcast this week and also a move for someone who became quite a household name during Euro 2020 Duncan um, the Italian midfielder Locatelli, uh, who perhaps um, is more of a a dream than a reality because uh, I think our understanding is that the player would, himself would rather stay uh, in Italy rather than move abroad.
1: Yeah, Arsenal like Manuel Locatelli a lot and, and what's not to like there? I mean, the people who think he was one of the best um Central midfielders in in European football last season he was recommended to Barcelona who who passed at the time because he didn't think taking a player from sassola was acceptable, not high status enough. then we saw how he performed in in the european championship and um Arsenal I think you've had a a good go at trying to get him into midfield, but unfortunately they are head to head with Juventus um We have the chief executive of Sassolo, Giovanni Carnavali, um, talking yesterday and saying that he wants to join Juve. We'd be happy to sell Manuel to Juve, but they need to pay the right fee. And then name-checking Arsenal, saying they made a bid to sign him and also a new English club is now in the race. Uh, That's the kind of thing that um, executives of of football clubs say when they're trying to push uh, the club they know a player wants to go to to pay a higher fee for him in the market. Um, as you say, uh, Arsenal have shown their ambition and, and put down that, that transfer fee for Ben White, guaranteed fifty million million, um, second highest uh, transfer fee ever exchanged for a English centre-back. He uh, has completed his medical and signed a contract, which Ian, you, you can tell us... Um, Got extended to five years, um, having initially uh, in the negotiations being set up as a four-year deal.
0: Yeah, that's our understanding, Duncan. That um, the initial uh, negotiation revolved around the four-year contract for Ben White. However, um, Arsenal have again uh, put in a marker and shown um, that their intention is to build a team uh, which will challenge for the Premier League title. Um, around players who um are uh, fitting with Mikel Arteta's philosophy of football, and of course Ben White, um, is not regarded as the kind of gung ho uh, defender, um, of the Tony Adams type, where it's like everything gets put on the line to ensure that goals are not scored. He is very much an intelligent and articulate, uh, uh with the ball at his feet plays out very skillfully from the back, as he showed in his first Premier League season with Brighton Hove Albion last year, uh, when he uh, barely missed a minute of football in the league itself. So I think it's a very interesting... um, I'm not going to say gamble, because I don't think Ben White is a gamble in any way, shape or form, but certainly it's a a statement about um, how Arteta intends to rebuild Arsenal Um, around the way he believes football should be played because he inherited a team who were probably uh, unbalanced and burdened uh, over uh, with attacking players, but he's recognised the need to strengthen defence. He's done that now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in another defender, but also now, as we reported, there is... Uh, invitations to uh, other clubs to bid for Alexandre Lacazette Uh, they want to keep Joe Willock Um, Eddie Nketiah is also available, so yeah, interesting season ahead for Arsenal Um, said this won't be the last uh, investment, I think also there is an external pressure, obviously with potential takeovers and bids, etc with regards to um, trying to take Stan Kronka and his son Josh Out of the equation, Kronka seems to be determined to hold on to the club and its ownership uh, until uh, the point where he sees it is the most advantageous for him to sell. But there certainly is pressure coming from outside. And at the moment, um, they're willing to invest in the team in order to make it more successful and certainly more challenging. Uh, And that obviously is good for the Premier League and good for Arsenal fans.
1: Interesting that you say that they, they want to retain Joe Willock. Is the idea to keep him in the first team squad this season or do they plan to loan again?
0: No, my information, uh, Duncan, is that Newcastle United have made um, an improved offer in terms of loan fee to take Joe Willock again for a season and that Arsenal have declined that offer and in doing so have informed the player and his agent that he is in Mikel Arteta's plans, having proven himself in the division with Newcastle United. So it looks to me like uh, they will retain Willock in on the basis that he will get game time and they will develop him at uh, the Emirates Stadium rather than have him do so elsewhere. I'm not saying uh, that it's definitely the case he will not go out on loan, but at this moment in time, um, I think Arteta is keen to keep his options open. This has been the second Transfer Window Podcast of the Week. Please engage with us on our social media platforms at Transfer Podcast, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Duncan's at Duncan Castles on Twitter. I'm at Garbo SJ. Have a good weekend. We will be back next week. Until then, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.